So when you hear the, the phrase home for the holidays, I imagine that for many of us, there's, there's like different emotions that come to mind when we, when we think about, you know, being home for the holidays. Uh, there, there was one year very specifically where that emotion for, for me and I think for Amber as well was just a sense of relief. Uh, it was in 2004, we were living in Owensboro, Kentucky, and we were driving up to my mom and dad's house on the north side of Indianapolis, a little town called Cicero. And you may remember that year, uh, that, that, that December 2004, there was a major, major sto- snowstorm that, that swept through the area. Anybody, anybody else remember, remember this? I mean, it was, it was pretty traumatic. I looked up uh, some, the, some details online just to make sure that I have my memory right. Um, Seymour, Indiana, just, you know, over the river and through the woods from here, Seymour, Indiana, over a two-day span, got 29 inches of snow. Is that kind of jogging some people's memory now? Like, oh yeah, that was a very, very white Christmas that, uh, that we had that year. Well, that night when the snow started, I think it was December 22nd uh, or 23rd, Amber and I, we were looking at the forecast and we're like, you know, we probably better head out of Dodge and make our way up to my parents' house. And so we, we took off, and it's a trip that usually would take us about three and a half hours. Over eight hours later, we finally pulled into my mom and dad's uh, driveway, and I had never been so relieved to be home for, for the holidays. As we were driving up I-65, um, we, had this, we had this little VW Jetta. And, and I had, like, my, my vehicle at the time was a 4x4 Ford Ranger, that was sitting at home because it wouldn't fit our Christmas presents. And so for some reason we thought, oh, it's a good idea. Let's just take the little Jetta. You know, so we're going through this snowstorm in our little Jetta uh, packed with, you know, toys and gifts and suitcases and all of that. And as we are driving up I-65, there are cars literally like all around us just sliding off of the road, going into the median, going off onto the side. And like everything in me was wanting to stop and help. But I'm like, no, this is too dangerous. It's like, if we stop and help, we may not even be able to get back on the road. You know, we might get hit by a car that's coming off. And so like, I just had to, you know, put my head down and, and focus on what was ahead of me and, and keep going. We heard radio reports you know, as we were listening that, that um, uh, on-ramps and off-ramps were being shut down uh, south of us as we were, as we were going north. And uh, so we just kind of went slow and steady. It was the most scared I've ever been in my life driving and you might remember this, but I-65 ended up being shut down for a while, like a matter of a couple of days. And, and so there were people that were stranded on, on the road that had, that had gone off. And so uh, local farmers used tractors to bring warm drinks and food and, and blankets to those who were stranded. And so when we pulled into that driveway, it was like the greatest sense of relief that I had ever felt about being home for the holidays. And to be honest, there were moments in that drive where I wasn't really sure that was <laughs> going to happen that year. And, and, you know, when we think about home for the holidays, that phrase, I, I think that it probably elicits some different emotions in us when we, when we think about that. Uh, for some of us, it's excitement, you know, about the, just the thought of having everyone in our family, those that we love, everyone underneath the same roof for the holidays. Like, it just brings us this sense of joy and excitement. Um, for, for others in here, that exact same scenario of having all of our family underneath the same roof, like, we can feel the anxiety growing in our stomach when we think about what that is going to, to be like. Uh, for others, 
you know, you may be thinking about the home for the holidays this year and it brings um, a sense of sadness for you. There are some people uh, that you love that you wish could be home for the holidays and you just know that this year it's not going to, to happen for, for whatever reason. There are people who won't be able to be home this year, family members maybe that have been estranged, you know, relationships that have been broken. And like you would do anything for that to just be reconciled and made right so that that son or that parent uh, would be home for the holidays with you this year. Uh, maybe over the course of this last year, you lost someone very close to you. And, and this is going to be the first Christmas where that person's not going to be in the home this, this holiday season. And that sense of absence, like you just, you, you feel it um, pretty, pretty heavy as we move into the holidays. Maybe for you, home for the holidays, it serves up uh, a sense of anticipation, a sense of excitement and, and joy because your home this holiday is going to be filled with, you know, maybe a grandbaby, maybe a new baby, uh, maybe a new relative, someone who's now a part of the family that wasn't. And so you're excited about that. We're in the second week of our series called Home for the Holidays. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at, at different rooms that are in our home uh, to, to just see what they teach us about the arrival of, of Jesus. And today we're going to be looking at the foyer or the uh, foyer, if you want to be, uh, you know, specific or fancy. And, and this foyer, this idea of this is that it's the room in the house where, you know, people are welcomed into your home. It's, it's, it's the place where you have that, that chance to make the first impression, to make your house feel like their home, to make them feel like family. Now, the arrival of Jesus, it elicited a lot of different emotions from, from people. There was, of course, the, the joy that Mary and, and the shepherds felt um, that was kind of combined with the confusion of Joseph. Joseph, Like, you know, imagine thinking, yeah, I'm still not really sure what's going on here, but this seems to be a pretty joyous and big occasion. Uh, the birth of Jesus stirred up wonder in the wise men. It also stirred up hatred in King Herod. But for one man named Zechariah, the birth of Jesus um, stirred up a sense of awe and anticipation because for him and his wife Elizabeth, the birth of Jesus meant the arrival of their own son, who was quite a surprise to them. Their son was John, whom we know as John the Baptist, the one who had welcomed Jesus and prepared the way for him. So if you have a Bible or a Bible app that you like to use, I invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter 1. We'll dive into it today. You can pull out that phone and uh, open up a you know, version app that you like to use. <clears throat> Go ahead and pull that out. We'll also have uh, the words up on the screen. And, and as you're turning to Luke chapter 1, I'm going to just give you a little bit of background so that, so that this story hopefully comes to life just a little bit more for us. In Luke chapter 1 verse 5, uh, we learn a couple of important details. We, we learn that Zechariah was a priest. Uh, in Jerusalem. He is married to a woman named Elizabeth who comes from the tribe of Aaron, which means that her family like is filled with priests. And so this is like a, it, it, this is a, this is a pretty special union between Zechariah and Elizabeth. Like uh, they, Elizabeth knew the demands of the priesthood, but, but they also shared just a deep sense of love and affection for, for the Lord. But in spite of their love for the Lord and their upright living, look at what we read in, in verse 7. 
says, but they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. Now there's a lot of pain in those words, isn't there? A lot of pain. I have no doubt that there are so many prayers and tears and unanswered questions that lie between these lines. In a culture that put just incredible amount of value on having children, those who weren't able to, they felt inadequate, they felt even cursed, they felt passed over by God. If you've ever longed for something with all of your heart only to to not get it, then you know the kind of despair that Zechariah and Elizabeth are feeling right now. You, You know how disappointment can turn into sorrow and sorrow into discouragement and discouragement into giving up hope. And you get caught in this cycle where you just think like the world or even God is, is out to get you for some reason. When we're first introduced to this couple, they'd both been you know, card-carrying members of the AARP. They were well along in, in their years, most likely even drawing you know, the Jerusalem form of social security in their retirement years. But as a priest, Zechariah never actually truly retired. In fact, his career as a priest was about ready to hit a, a high point here. We, we pick it up in verse 8. It says, once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. When the time for the burning of the incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. And if I can just kind of pause right there, because I, I think, you know, when the, when the angel says your prayer, that, that, that singular usage of that word, I don't think that he means, hey, Zechariah, that one time years ago when you prayed to have a child, that's been heard. I don't think that's what it means. I think what he means is your prayer in this moment, it's been heard. Meaning, in spite of his age, in spite of all the times he heard, like Zechariah having this opportunity in the, in the, in the most holy place, the place where, where God's presence dwelled, Zechariah is like, I'm just, I'm just going to try one more time, just one more time. So the angel says, your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you will call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you and many will rejoice because of his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. When Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? Like this whole angel appearing here at the altar, this isn't quite enough for me to believe this. How can I be sure that this is actually going to happen? 
I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now (laughs) you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. So here we, we find that Zechariah is, is finally going to be a daddy. And his son, his son was not just like any son. His son was the forerunner to the Messiah who would be Jesus. And, and so for several reasons, Zechariah was a little shocked by this. And, and essentially like what he's saying is, how's this going to happen? Because senior citizens don't have babies. But sure enough, Elizabeth was pregnant. And as a sign, which is what Zechariah asked for, the angel told him, you're not going to be able to talk until this child is born. And so Elizabeth, this elderly woman who is a relative of Mary, was pregnant. Mary comes to visit. I remember the angel says that this child would be filled with the Holy Spirit even before um, his birth. He recognizes that in the womb of Mary is the Messiah. And you may remember in the account of the Gospels that, that Elizabeth's baby actually just kind of moved. You know, there was a leap almost in her stomach of excitement and anticipation And Mary goes on and she sings this beautifully eloquent song about this baby that is inside of her, this anticipation. Elizabeth gives birth. They ask Zechariah what he wants to name this child and he scribbles down John. And just like that, he's able to speak again. And, and he uses his first words in, in, you know, up to nine months. He uses his first words in nearly nine months to celebrate what God is doing through his baby boy and another baby that would be born in just a few months. Look, look at what he sings with me, starting in verse 67. Luke chapter 1, verse 67. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. And the child grew became strong in spirit, and he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly in Israel. Man, what a beautiful, just song of celebration about this child, John, that was born. And the lyrics of Zechariah's song, they kind of take us behind the scenes into the heart of a godly man who is anticipating what God is doing, not not just in his own family, but what God is doing in the world in this moment that God at long last has come. 
that faith will become sight, that darkness will become light, and that God will become flesh and make his dwelling among us. And, and not to be overlooked, Zechariah joyfully proclaims that his son John will be the one who opens the doors of salvation to the world to come in. He is flinging wide the doors of salvation, inviting all of the world to come and find it. What an honor it must have been for these already proud new parents to know that their son was the forerunner of the Messiah. See, when Zechariah heard the angel say back in the altar of incense, he will bring many people of Israel back to the Lord. He knew exactly what this meant. He knew that his son would be the fulfillment of prophecies that date back 700 years and more about one who would come to prepare the way. Prophecies that spoke of one who would come before the Messiah to get people ready for his arrival. Prophecies like Malachi 3.1 that says, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Prophecies like Isaiah 40, 3 through 5, which we heard uh, spoke earlier. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level and rugged places a plain. For the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Zechariah knew that his son, John, was the fulfillment of these words. And now that he is born, then the Messiah is sure to come right behind. Which meant that God had remembered his people. It meant that God had remembered his promises. In a, in a, in a culture that I mean, again, like many of us, as we walk through it, we wonder, man, is God listening? Does God remember? Does God even know me? Does God care about me? To Zechariah, the birth of his son, John, was an indicator that, yes, God remembers. Yes, God is coming. Yes, God cares. It meant that salvation was finally here, the, the day that generation after generation of Israelites had longed for and promised that God had made to Abraham all the way back at the beginning in Genesis chapter 12. We, we read it with our, with our girls in our Advent reading this week. When God promises, he says, Abraham, go outside, look up in the stars in the sky, count the stars. <laughs> That's how many descendants you will have. God was inviting not just his people, but he was inviting the entire world into a relationship with him. And John's role in all of this was to make room for Jesus, to, to open up the door and invite them in. You see, his world was a lot like ours. People were busy, they were distracted, they were hurting, there was uncertainty. If you think that we live in a world of of addiction? I mean, my goodness, it was just as relevant in that day. If you think that we live in a country of racial and cultural tension, it was nothing compared to first century Palestine. The Jews were living underneath unwanted Roman oppression. There was deep divide amongst the classes, both financial and religion. Hate and anger prevailed. It was part of their everyday life. Their world was just as broken and as chaotic as ours. The only difference is that they didn't have social media <laughs> like we have to spread it even more broadly. 
And so John was sent to refocus people's hearts and minds on God and a world filled with distraction. John's job was to focus people on the coming Messiah. His job was to open up the doors for Jesus and to invite him into the midst of our chaos. And as we read about John's ministry, this is exactly what he did. He kept pointing people over and over and over to Jesus He told them of one that would come after him who who would baptize with fire, not just with water. He told them about one that would come after him who, who he was not even worthy to bend down and untie his sandals. He talked about one who would come who would be greater and he would become less. He opened up the door and invited Jesus in the midst of the chaos in the midst of the noise. And at this time of year, isn't that an important reminder for all of us? A reminder to just let Jesus in. There are so many things that want to distract us, you know, as we celebrate Christmas and the real reason. When you, when you kind of clear away all the parties and the, and the gifts and the get-togethers, the food, when you clear all of that away, you are left with the real reason, which is a baby laying in a manger who came for the salvation of the world. You're left with a God who showed us the fullness of his love by becoming one of us, experiencing our joys and our pains, our our victories and our defeats. A God who came to bring hope in the midst of our hopelessness, rest to our restlessness and peace in our chaos. When you clear away all of the distractions, you are left with a baby who would grow into a man who would die a sinner's death on the cross that we deserved And make way for us to be in right relationship with Jesus again. Make way for us to find life that can be found through his resurrected life. This is who John's life and ministry pointed to. And this is what Zechariah's song was all about. It's something that we still continue to see fulfilled today. It's about clearing away the noise in order to see Jesus. So this Christmas season... My question for us this morning, I guess, as we kind of wrap up is this, what is distracting you from letting Jesus in? What's distracting you this Christmas from letting Jesus in? From hearing his knock at the door, is it it the busyness of the year? Is it the stress of family? Is it all the cooking and baking and cleaning and shopping that needs to be done before family arrives? Or is there something deeper than that? Is it the the pain of something that you have hoped for for so long to go yet again unfulfilled? Is it the pain of a lost loved one that always seems to hurt more this time of year? Is it despair or depression that just won't go away? Is it a deep-seated emotional hurt that you just can't overcome? Is it a heart that is hardened to the gospel because it's looking for more proof? It's looking for a sign? Let today be the day. Let this be the season that you prepare the way for the Lord to come into your life and to give you peace. Let it be the day that you say, just as John, he must increase and I must decrease. Jesus says in Revelation 3.20, here I am, and I stand at the door and I knock. 
If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. And I'm telling you this morning, Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart. Will you let him in? Whether it be for the very first time or whether it, whether it be all over again, will you surrender that, that, that pain, that emotion, that thing that is distracting you from the Lord this season? Would you surrender that to him and say, Jesus, I invite you in yet again to my life.